Okay. Would you please um, go in your um, folder to session six? The title is Hope Deferred, Hope Received. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire is fulfilled, it's a tree of life. The title of this session is Hope Deferred and Hope Received. Hope deferred is the first part of the scripture. It says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. The heart is the soul. The soul. Doug talked a lot about healing of his soul. But the reason he had healing of his soul is because his soul was sick. It needed healed. Jesus came to heal us in every part, spirit and soul and body. So we're going to address that. We're going to address that potential of hope deferred or hope that hasn't yet been realized in the natural sense how that has the potential to make your heart sick. But we're gonna, I'm going to teach you how to take the medicine, the spiritual medicine, to take care of that spiritual problem. The second half we're also going to talk about when desire is fulfilled, it's a tree of life. So we're going to talk about both halves of the scripture. There are two opposites that are warring for your heart. And Doug has really painted a picture of this. The, the good one that we've been talking about all weekend is hope received. That expectation based upon being fully persuaded of the truth, received. When you receive that, you're receiving the word of the Lord. You're receiving the truth of the word. You're see, receiving the grace, the gifts of healing that Jesus paid for, for everybody, everybody, all people at all times for all situations. It's been paid for by the stripes on his back. And this hope received is when we choose to believe it and receive it and release it. That's what we've been talking about all weekend. But the first part of the scripture refers to the other thing that's warring. It's called hope deferred. And it is, tried, it, the, the devil's the one that tries to sell it to us. The father of lies. And it mo- might look like disappointment or discouragement. It might look like confusion. That's a big one. Or doubt or unbelief. Fran's going to teach on that specifically this afternoon. What I want to share with you is like the spiral that leads to sickness of heart. Can I'm going to hand this to you, honey? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Now, this, is, this doesn't have to happen. I'm going to expose it to you so that you know it, so that you don't let it happen. When you have had a, a season where you have been believing God, you know truth, you've been speaking truth, you've been believing God, and you haven't yet seen the manifestation in the natural you may be vulnerable, to, more vulnerable, to the enemy's attacks. When this happens, it's kind of like if your immune system is weakened in the natural. And when your immune system is weakened, you're more susceptible to getting an infection. Well, that's something you can speak against, by the way. My immune system is strong, and I just plain, I'm not going to receive any of that. But not everybody knows that. So sometimes if the immune system is weakened, you're more susceptible to infection. Well, when this hope deferred happens, one potential is that your spiritual immune system is weakened. One of the the things that happens during this is questions 
arise. You have questions. You're there might be confusion and you have questions. Now questions are good. Questions are totally normal. Questions can, can and do help you to move ahead. Kathy talked last night about the importance, the great importance of having spiritual mentors. Yesterday during, during our Q&A, we didn't all get through all of the, the discussion topics, but one of them is, do you have a spiritual mentor? In fact, I think it was the last one, so probably none of us got to it. But it is really powerful because you have somebody to go to with your questions that can guide you, direct you, lead you, stand with you. But that's not what always happens. And as I, was, as I was preparing this, I was just seeing a road. We're on this road, this journey, this healing journey. And if you haven't yet seen the manifestation of the natural, there's a potential for that road to, to why. And you can go one of two directions. The first direction is the good one that I just talked about, where you have a spiritual mentor and you take those questions to your spiritual mentor and to God. And you stay focused on God. Those questions lead you to God. Those questions lead you to the truth of his word. To, to dig deeper, to grow stronger, to renew your mind more and more and more and more. And that's good. And that's going to have awesome results, just like you've seen in Doug. But the other potential is to go take, to take the other why. And when you take the other why in the road, it's destructive. Because those questions, instead of leading you to God, lead you into human reasoning and questioning that leads you away from God and away from agreement with God. Believing is agreeing with God. And those questions have the potential to take you out of agreement with God. So there is a danger, this is the danger, if those questions lead you away from God and in his promises, and away from his promises, and you aren't anymore in agreement with his word. Sometimes those questions lead you to wonder about his goodness. And the sick heart happens when you no longer believe in God's goodness. Because that's the bedrock. The bedrock of your faith is believing that God is good. So if those questions lead you astray and you no longer believe God's good, that is when your soul has been very, very infected. I want to look right now at Psalm 27. Psalm 27. Oh, Father God, I thank you right now that you, you just speak through me to speak the truth and the antidote for the problem. Psalm 27, um, the last two verses, verses 13 and 14. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. This scripture, this whole psalm is one of my psalms. I have at the beginning, I say, healed of cancer, exclamation point. I have three stars. I have all sorts of notes. I have, I have all sorts of, of rhema word that he's given me from this psalm about being healed of cancer. And this last verse in fact, in the Amplified, because I have a, two sides to my Bible, it says, what would have become of me if I had not believed 
that I would see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. What would have happened? I wouldn't be standing here. I wouldn't be standing here. Because if we lose heart, if our heart becomes sick, then it has the potential to lead us away from the goodness of God, away from the truth, away from agreement with him, instead of towards him. But... I did believe in the goodness of God. Doug does believe in the goodness of God. Our questions have led us to him, not away from him. So what does that infection look like? These these are three possibilities. Hope deferred has the potential to poison your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. Hope deferred has the potential to take you into unbelief. Hope deferred has the potential to cancel out the flow of miracles in your life. That's why we're going to be teaching today about doubt and unbelief. Because we want you to take the road to God, not away. So what I'm going to share now, I'm just going to give you a preview of things to come. Because I don't want to just speak negative. I want to really tell you what's coming. The first thing I'm going to share is I'm going to share three possible um, ways that that it, what, what that infection looks like. That infection where, you've, where your spiritual immune system has become weak and you've gotten an infection. Three symptoms of an infection. And then I'm going to share the medicine to, to defeat the infection. Okay. So in the natural, if you have an infection in your body, there's symptoms. Sometimes there's fever. Sometimes there's body symptoms that go along with the infection. These are symptoms that there is a disease in the spiritual realm, that you've bought the lie, because that's what it is, a lie. The enemy's a deceiver. He wants you to be deceived. We're not going to go for that. So here's the first possible deception. Are you denying God's true nature and embracing sickness and disease as gifts from God? Huh. Have you bought the lie? Maybe because you've been taught it. But have you bought the lie that sickness is a gift from God to teach you something? That makes me sick to even say it. That is so much a lie. John 10.10 says that the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it to the abundance. And the Amplified says, to the overflow. The good, good is God. Bad is the devil. Period. Sickness is bad. Pain is bad. It doesn't come from God. Sometimes people embrace it because it's easier than taking a a responsibility for saying, no, that's not mine. I am not allowing it. Sometimes it's easier to receive it. Sometimes it feels holy, I guess. I don't know what it does. I have a teacher who I worked with. He was diagnosed with MS. And he was a strong Christian. Powerfully strong Christian. But he believed that it was a gift from God. He received it. He died at 42 I get mad. And then at the funeral, they, st- they talked about what this, how, you know, God worked through him. And, and they, were, they were glorifying the disease and the man. God was not glorified. It's blasphemy 
when we attribute to God the works of the enemy, and if you embrace sickness, if you say this is a gift from God, if you think you're holy because of that thing, then you are blasphemous to God. You are glorifying the devil instead of God, and it's a lie, and it's a sign you have bought the infection. You've gone down the wrong side of the road, and you're infected. Another one that's very subtle, another symptom, but this is really subtle, is that you look at yourself. You focus completely on yourself to the extent that you are literally blaming yourself for not getting healed because, because you know God is good, you know the truth, and you haven't yet seen the manifestation. So you look inward And you start questioning yourself. Am I good enough? Am I holy enough? Have I I prayed enough? Have I forgiven enough? Have I gone to church enough? Have I confessed the word enough? That is a very subtle lie of the enemy. Because what you've done is you've taken your focus off of Jesus. You've taken your focus off of the finished work. And your focus is inward instead of to God. God did the work. You don't need to do it. If there's one message you can take from this conference, it's that it's simple. Believing is simple. The hard work is done. Jesus did it. You don't need to understand to believe. It is a choice. It is a choice. And the more that you choose to believe and speak it out, the more you will understand because God will give you more and more revelation. The more you will know, know in here. But you don't have to understand. When I was diagnosed, I guarantee you, I didn't understand anything that I'm telling you today. And God healed me. I simply believed. He literally told me that the reason that I received was because of my childlikeness. Because I was simple. Because I didn't ask the questions that led me away from him. I just believed. I simply trusted Simply believe. You don't have to work to believe. Jesus did the work. In Hebrews chapter 12, I'm just going to paraphrase this, verse 2. The Bible says, to look beyond all that will distract to Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our faith. And then the first scripture, actually that's the second one. If you go back to the first verse. It says to be strong, to be persistent, to be consistent, to you know, get all this other stuff out of the way. And then it says, look beyond all that stuff. And it even includes sin. Look beyond it to Jesus. Look beyond your sinfulness or your holiness. Look beyond your, um, your symptoms in your body. Look beyond the doctor's report. Look beyond all that will distract to Jesus. So that's another symptom, and it's a very subtle one. But it's a symptom that you, your spiritual immune system was weak, and you become infected with a spiritual lie. And the third one is if you've become offended with God. There are times when we've had unanswered questions that have gotten in the way of our ability to trust. And we have literally become offended with God. When we keep a record of what God hasn't done, or what appears he hasn't done, we actually build a case against God. We become offended. Would you turn with me right now to Matthew chapter 11? 
Matthew 11, starting with verse 2. This is in reference to John the Baptist. When John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? I'm going to stop right there. John the Baptist, we know who he was. He was the prophet, one of the last Old Testament prophets, who prophesied about the coming Messiah. He lived literally at the same time as Jesus. He was born just a few months before. His whole life was set apart. He was consecrated even before birth to be the the one that was to declare that Jesus was to come. He was the one in the wilderness by the River Jordan that preached the, the, the importance of repenting and being prepared Not to be hardened of heart when Jesus came, but to be ready to receive him, to be ready to receive the Messiah. And when Jesus came into his presence at the River Jordan, he he discerned, not here, that's when he questioned it, but at that time he discerned Jesus. He said, yeah, I'm not even worthy to buckle your sandals. He discerned the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus when he was baptized. He saw that. He discerned it. He knew it. He knew it. He knew it. But here in this scripture, this is later. He's in prison. And he's asking a question. And he's saying, are you the coming one or should we look for another? And listen what Jesus says. He answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. We're talking about being offended by God. Being offended when you don't see the answers. So here's John. He believed Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus was the one that was coming to save but he's imprisoned and now he's asking questions he's saying i'm not i'm not sure anymore he was he was wavering many of us have been in that same place we have known truth absolutely known truth but maybe something has happened in your life maybe you're having something going on some situation and you're asking questions That's what John was doing. Jesus said, blessed are those who are not offended because of me. And he said, look at what's happening. Look at the signs. Look at the wonders. Look at the works. Yeah, I'm the one. I want to look at another scripture that that is very clear about offense. Turn with me to Matthew 13, um, I think. Yes, Matthew 13 at the very end of the chapter, verse 54. This is a familiar scripture, but it's a powerful one. Jesus came to his own country, Nazareth. He taught in their synagogue so that they were amazed with bewildered wonder and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And do not all his sisters live here among us? Where then did this man get all this? And they took offense at him. They were repelled and hindered from acknowledging his authority and caused to stumble. 
But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. And he did not do many works of power there because of their unbelief, their lack of faith in the divine mission of Jesus. So Jesus was in his own hometown. And when he, he, he'd lived there his whole life, but when the Holy Spirit descended upon him and when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, his ministry was birthed. Jesus completely depended on the power of the Holy Spirit, just like we do. And they saw something new in him after the Holy Spirit had descended upon him. And they questioned him. Remember, we're talking about those questions that can lead us into spiritual infection. And one of them is being offended with God. And that's what happened. They were offended. They said, who does he think he is? We know his brothers. We know his sisters. We know his mom. We know his stepdad. Who does he think he is acting like this, doing these things? They took offense. And listen to the definition. They were repelled and hindered from acknowledging his authority and caused to stumble. That's what an offense does. It hinders you. It keeps you from receiving. It causes you to stumble. Jesus said, blessed are those who are not offended. And because of all that offense, it affected their unbelief. It affected their belief. It caused them to be in unbelief. And they didn't receive Offense with God is one of those spiritual infections that blocks your ability to trust. Doug talked about being offended with people. And that's another thing that can block your ability to trust God. But being offended with God is another issue. We need to talk about it. I'm going to give you three biblical examples now. We're not going to turn there. I'm just going to refer to them. But I'm going to give you three more examples of biblical people who had the opportunity to be offended, but they weren't. And instead, they received the manifestation of of the promise. So instead of taking the road that led them out of agreement with God, these biblical people took the road that led them to God. The first one is Abraham. And I'm just going to paraphrase this. The scriptural reference is Hebrews 11, verses 17 through 19. So Abraham, um, we know he became the father of many nations, and he went through a whole lot to do that. He considered not his old age, his impotence, his wife's barrenness. He considered not all of that stuff. And he believed the promise of God. Now, it took a while. It took a while for him to come into agreement with God. It took a while, 20-some years, But he received the promise. He received Isaac. And then when Isaac was a young man, God asked him to sacrifice his son. Do you think he had the opportunity to become offended? To ask questions that led him out of agreement with God and said, I'm not going to agree with you on that one, God. Sorry. But that's not what he did. He agreed with God. And he believed, and Hebrews 11 says this, that somehow, someway, that promise was his. And somehow, someway, God would make it come to pass. He didn't have to figure that part out. He could just trust. 
And he even went so far as to prepare the sacrifice. He even went so far as to lay his son out and have the the knife ready to to, um, sacrifice his son. And Jesus, I'm sorry, Father God, stopped everything and fulfilled his word through Isaac. And he didn't have to raise him from the dead. Abraham chose to agree with God, even in the midst of that huge circumstance. The second example I want to use, and I I am going to turn to the Bible in this one, is Matthew 15. This is the Canaanite woman. This is when Jesus was ministering. So this woman was not part of the covenant, the covenant people. She wasn't an Israelite. She was a Canaanite. I just want to, I want you to pay attention to all the opportunities she had to be offended Yes. (laughs) Then Jesus went out from... um, I'm going to start with 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to Jesus, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. That was the first opportunity. His disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. Another opportunity. That would be like this whole group saying, Leave Cindy alone. That'd be a big opportunity for offense. Um, Let's see. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Another big opportunity for offense. Then she came and worshipped him. Saying, Lord, help me. She knew the reputation of God. She knew that he was the healer. She knew that there was something special about this man. And instead of being offended, instead of changing her belief, changing what she was believing for, she worshipped him. And she asked him again, Lord, help me. That's what Doug's doing. He's had a lot of opportunities to see other junk get in the way. But he continues to worship. And he continues to say, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Another opportunity for offense. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. She wasn't going to buy it. She wasn't going to take the offense. And then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very moment. She was persistent. She was persistent. She stood in faith. Now there's a whole other teaching that goes with that about the Canaanite woman. I'm not going to go into that right now. I just wanted you to get a picture of that that way that she stood without being offended. She stood believing, trusting, Simply believing, even though it didn't make sense. And she received the fullness of the gift that she was seeking. So we've talked a little bit about hope deferred. We've talked about the, the, how the heart can become sick. And we've looked at some symptoms of infection. But now I want to talk about healing. This is a healing meeting. Spiritual medicine for the spiritual infection. I'm going to, uh, they're on your sheet. I'm going to talk briefly about six ways. And I know this isn't all-inclusive. I always 
I, I, these lists sometimes can can make you think that you have to follow a legalistic plan, and I don't want to give you that idea. I just want to give you some guidelines and some support. The first one, remember, questions are good as long as they don't take you out of agreement, as long as they don't take you away from God. Number one, be absolutely gut-level honest with God. Go to God and ask him your questions. <laughs> Go to God and talk to him about what you what the disappointment is or what you're seeing or not seeing or what you think you're not seeing. Go to God. Cry out to God. That's a good thing to do. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay to ask questions. He wants you to ask questions. Number two is listen. Take time to listen to him. When we, when we ask God questions, so many times we don't stop and listen. We don't wait on him. We don't let him minister to us. He will. He will. It might be a thought that comes to you. It might be a little picture that you see. It might just be something that you sense. Like Doug said, he senses his peace. He senses his support, his comfort, his help. Whatever it is, he will be there for you. But you need to listen to him. One of the ways to do this is to go to his word. Very often, he answers me in his word. Sometimes he answers me with a still small voice. But very often, he answers me in his word. Very often he answers me in his word and then he confirms it by a person or by a, another word from scripture. But he does. He will give you the answers to your questions. I'm going to read a very short testimony right now about a woman who did this. She was in the middle of a huge, serious battle in her life with depression. One that had led her to the point of suicide. And her... Her medicine was exactly what I'm talking about. She went to God. She asked questions. She went to the word. He spoke to her. And then that word was the medicine that healed her. Listen to this testimony. Her name is Erica. Since I was a young elementary school-aged girl, I had thoughts of depression, insecurity, and suicide. They were so familiar, I thought they were normal. I often thought about disappearing, that I had nothing good to offer and the world would be better off without me, so I should just end my life. I would usually push them down, not address them, and move on. In adulthood, a series of life events brought me to the point that I finally admitted these thoughts. And a dear friend assured me this was not normal. She told me that God loves me and created me perfectly with a purpose and I could be free of oppressive voices. I knew Erica at that time when she was literally suicidal. But look at what God did. I began reading God's word, searching through the scriptures for truths that were the hardest for me to believe. They were truths. They're in his word. But they were so different from how she saw herself. You see, many times we have an identity problem. We identify with this thing, that we've, this lie that we've believed. 
instead of identifying with who we truly are in Christ. She had an identity problem. So when she would read the word, there were truths that were in here that were really hard for her to believe because her identity was in something else. It was in a lie. But when she read those words that were the hardest for her to believe, God's love, his goodness, and his grace, those scriptures, those scriptures, she would write on an index card. And she carried them everywhere she went. 2 Corinthians 10.5 states, Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. When the lies of the deceiver came, they still came, the lies of unworthiness, the lies of depression, the lies of suicide thoughts. When those lies came and the voices in my head started talking, I would pick up my scripture cards and read them aloud to myself sometimes declaring them boldly and loudly. So the word of God drowned out the lies, the voices. There were days when I would speak God's truth with tears streaming down my cheeks because it was so hard to believe. Sometimes I would say, God, this is what your truth says, so I choose to believe it. Believing isn't a feeling, it's a choice. The more I spoke truth, the more I believed it. The words that we speak affect our belief. Today, the tormenting voices and lies are gone. God is the God of life and hope and freedom. Standing on the truth of his word and believing that he keeps his promises has brought me freedom, joy, and peace. Praise God. Praise God. Give him glory. We praise you, God. We praise you, God. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. So that is one of the ways to receive medicine, spiritual medicine for that infection, is to go to God, ask your questions, listen and wait for the answers. And one of the ways he answers a lot is through the word of truth. Now, Erica's problem had to do with her soul. It had to do with uh, the lie that she believed of unworthiness, of, of, of um, depression, of oppression. That might not be the lie that you have received. Maybe you bought the lie that that disease is yours. Maybe you identify with the disease. That's not your identity. That's a lie. Your identity is healed. So if you have identified with disease, find scriptures that give your identity, your true identity. You were healed through the stripes of Jesus. The resurrection life of Christ, of the Holy Spirit, dwells in you. Get scriptures that talk about your true identity and do what Erica did. Renew your mind, like Tom said yesterday. Renew your mind with truth. And replace the lie. Replace the lie with truth. The third step. If you have a lie that you've been believing, I'm praying, God, right now, lies are exposed. That even if we didn't know we had a lie, lies are exposed. So if you have a lie you were believing and your identity isn't what God's identity is for you, you need to renounce it. Renounce that lie. Don't keep it. Get rid of the lie. Renounce the spirit of discouragement. Renounce the lie that you've been believing. Don't partner with that lie anymore. 
You have to get rid of the lie and replace it with truth. That's one of the things I'm going to do during the ministry time today. But I wanted to tell it to you. We will also experience it when, we, when I do the, the ministry at the end. Number four, receive God's peace. Receive his peace. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. I'm just going to read from the screen. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The scripture is, is quoted all the time. We need to meditate on it. We need to meditate on it. The scripture says to take your request to God with thanksgiving. Thank him because it's done. Thank him because it's done. We don't need to beg God. We need to thank him. When you hear us pray, that's what you hear us do. Thank you, God, that it's a done deal. Thank you that we've been healed. Thank you that it's finished. We believe it and we receive it. But then it says, when you do that, God will give you peace. But the next line is where I really want to go. It says, he'll give us peace that passes all understanding. He will give us peace that transcends understanding. I believe that in order for us to receive his peace that passes understanding, we have to give up our right to understand. We want to understand it all. That's why those questions can lead you away from God instead of to God. Give up your right to understand. You can only embrace one thing at a time. You can embrace your identity with a lie, or you can embrace the truth. You can embrace the peace that God has for you, or you can hold on to the lie. It's your choice. But you can only hold on to one at a time. You have to drop one. You have to give up your right to understand in order to hold on to the peace, the truth, the love, the goodness of God. Fran's going to talk about it this afternoon. You don't have to have big faith, but you want pure faith. You don't want all that garbage, all those lies taking up residence. Okay, the next point, number five, celebrate the goodness of God. Celebrate the goodness of God in the midst of the problem. This is the bedrock of your faith, the goodness of God. So when I say celebrate, I mean do it. When I say celebrate, party, party. Bill Johnson says the deeper the depth of the problem, the bigger the problem, the more radical your praise should be. And what are we praising God for? The same thing that you're seeing in your, uh, how am I going to word this so it doesn't sound weird. Whatever the problem is, you praise him because he's the God that took care of it. So if your problem is healing or of sickness and you need healing praise him because he's the healer and praise him radically because he's the healer if your problem is lack of finances and and issues with that praise him that he's the god who provides and be radical about it be radical get up put it under your feet we're going to do this later (laughs) put it under your feet dance on it and say that's under my feet because it's under christ's feet and i christ is in me Praise God and celebrate his goodness in that very area that you're fighting. Number six, feed your heart correctly. This is so important. In the, world, in the worldly stuff, 
We feed ourselves too much junk. And our bodies are evidence of it. Stuff that's not healthy. You know, issues with our health. The same thing is true spiritually. Feed yourself correctly. Feed yourself on what God is doing. Not on what it appears he isn't doing. What we tend to do is feed, consider, meditate on the problem. That's why in that hope deferred thing, if you're not feeding on the right thing, you can veer off the wrong direction. But if you keep feeding on the right thing, God's word, God's truth, the finished work, you are going to go right to God and receive all of the benefits. So feed your heart correctly on what God is doing, not on what it appears he isn't doing. And the last one, number seven. This is a fun one. They're all fun. This one is like the bonus. You have an invitation. You have an invitation. When you get an invitation, sometimes you're just like, yay, I'm so excited about this. Sometimes you're like, oh, I really would rather not do it. <laughs> but I, I better put it on my calendar. But this is God's invitation, so this is a good one. The invitation is for victory. But it's bigger than your own. It's way bigger than your own. Because in any area where you have, have gained revelation and grown because of the journey you've gone through, you have the potential for this heavy anointing for victory, not just in your own life, but in others. What you have seen this weekend is a result of that invitation that we are SVP'd and said, okay, God, we're coming. Because every one of us have experienced the fullness of God in the area of healing. And we have victory. We've had victory in our own lives. And because of that victory in our own lives, we have an anointing to go and take it out to the world. So maybe this Erica, she has an anointing to go out and minister to others who have fought depression and suicidal things. Doug has an anointing on him for people who have had low self-esteem and not felt worthy of receiving the healing of God because he has overcome that. Whatever the area is that you have overcome, we, we have it all in the spiritual realm. But when you have pulled it out of the spiritual and into the natural, boy, you are a, vic- a victor. <laughs> and you can take that out to the world. Literally to the world oh father thank you okay we talked about the infection we've talked about medicine for the infection and now I want to go to the second half of the Proverbs scripture hope deferred makes the heart sick but desire fulfilled is a tree of life a tree of life a tree of life. Oh, I love it. Can't we go grab um, Healed for Life really quick? I'm sorry. I should have had you do that before. I just now thought of it. Um, I want to just review the two things that are worrying for your heart. Hope deferred. That's the enemy. That's the enemy. That's lie, 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 lie. That is not your identity. The other one is hope received. That's your identity. That's what is yours. As a believer, hope received, receiving the the fullness of what God has for you, who you are in Christ, rising up in that identity and living it, 
Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full, to the overflow. That doesn't mean after you die. That means here and now. Hope received. I'm going to look at Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17. Desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Kent went to grab my book. Um, Healed for life. This is the foundation scripture for my, for my book. He's, when he brings it, I'll show you the cover. But my daughter-in-law is our graphic artist, and she is a strong Christian woman. I am so, oh, so I just am so in awe of what God's done in her and my son. But she's, she's done all of our books and all of the artwork. And when I gave her this book, I gave her the manuscript. And I didn't, I, I'm not an artist. So I said, huh, I have no idea what to do for the cover. I'm going to let you, you know, that's your, that's your gift. <laughs> and so she went to God <laughs> and she prayed. And this is the scripture that he gave her. I'm going to read the scripture. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted on the riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. This whole book is founded upon the tree of life. This scripture says, everything I've just shared in the last hour, this scripture says that when we stay rooted and grounded in truth, like the tree of life, when our roots are deep, we are nourished. Roots reach deep into the water. And, it, and, and it, it gains the nourishment that we need. We're feeding on the right thing. We're feeding on truth. We, we are nourished. It says that such trees are not bothered by the heat. They're not bothered by the lies, by the deception. It doesn't even phase them. It doesn't even phase them. The deception comes and you laugh at it. It doesn't even bother you. When you're a tree of life and you stay rooted, they're not worried by long months of drought. That time, Tom says something, and I've read it in Andrew Womack, so I know where I got it, but it's so good. We're not waiting on God. He's actually waiting on us to simply believe and receive what he's already done. It's a waiting game, but it's not ours. It's his. (laughs) It's his. We're not worried by long months of drought. So during that time, Tom saw it. Doug saw it. I saw it. Those divine delays blessed us to such a point where we were able to feed ourselves, to get planted, to get more of that water from the river of life to feed us and prepare us to to believe and receive. That's what God wants us to do. And their leaves stay green. And they never stop producing fruit. The result is fruit in your life. The result is healing in your life. The result is divine health. The result is divine life. The result is overcoming. God says we're more than overcomers through him. We are more than conquerors through him in us when we stay planted. When we stay planted by the river of life.
So I'm going to close with this scripture, and then we're just going to have a, a little ministry time before we break for lunch. Matthew 11. Mm, I love this. This is the Message Bible. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? <laughs> I like the way the message says that. Burned out on religion. What could that mean? What could that mean? You know, the do's and the don'ts and the have I done enough or have I done too much? Frustrated, confused. This is what Jesus says. Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that. We don't have to force it. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to push for it or pull for it. God says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Stay planted. Stay planted in truth. Stay planted in God and in his love for you. He's got a good plan for all of us. He's got such a good plan for all of us.